All right. Did you guys get some donuts? Yeah, right on. The breakfast of champions. <laughs> All right. Why don't you grab your Bible, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. Matthew, chapter 9. So let me ask you a question. Um, as far as institutions or um, organized groups, you might call them, quiz time, what are the ones that God acknowledges in his word as ones that he actually cares about or talks about or intervenes in or uses? What are the institutions? There's, I believe, three main ones that we could talk about. Anybody want to take a stab at one? Right. Well, one at a time, because it's like, rah. Um, let's go, let's go, uh, who, somebody just, yeah, whoever raises their hand gets to go first. Family, that is an institution of the Bible, the, 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 um, the family. And by the way, it's not, uh, you know, two daddies and children. That's not what the Bible defines as a family. So again, you know, there's this huge debate in America about what's marriage and all this stuff. If you're a Bible person, you, you know, the Bible defines what family really is, and it's a, a husband and a wife and their children. And God is very much into the institution of the family, has much to say about mothers, fathers, and the way they interact with their children. Um, and it's, it's, by the way, one of the institutions that has been not only under attack, but I, I think is losing. Uh, the, the institution of the family is losing in the world today. In Sweden, um, you know, the family it doesn't even look anything like a traditional family. Uh, in Sweden, if you go to Sweden, for example, um, you know, the idea of a married couple is almost extinct. Um, two people in a community uh, make sort of a business arrangement and say, well, we're deciding to have children, and uh, the community sort of, it takes a village sort of nonsense. Uh, that, that's sort of the mindset of raising children, and you sort of make this agreement and forget marriage, forget being a mother and father, all that stuff. And, and, and really, it's starting to become like that all around the globe, and the institution of marriage is becoming sort of a, a thing of the past. I remember reading in, um, you know, Paul's warning to Timothy about the perilous times that would come in the last days, and I remember years ago reading where it says they'll for forbid people to marry, and they'll forbid people to eat meat. And I just think, Who, who's going to do that? That's crazy, especially the meat part, man. Um, but as it turns out, we're living in a day where they're forbidding people to get married in places, and uh, it's becoming sort of poo-pooed, the idea of marriage, uh, forget marriage. Uh, that's an institution we don't need, and it's, and it's debatable what it really is, the world would say. And then also, the, you know, they're talking about no more steak and the flatulence of the cows. You know, that's the, the part of the democratic platform right now is no more cows, no more steaks. Uh, I hope that goes down, uh, that, that notion. So family, number one. Somebody raise your hand. Give me number two institution. Nick. Government, as a former Oval Office uh, uh, worker yeah, there in D.C. Uh, yeah, the government, that's right. God acknowledges government and governments. And he even, you know, on, on almost every level, uh, whether it's the king or the president or the magistrate or whatever it is, we as the church are called to pray for those who are in authority over us. Romans 13 tells us, that the one who wields the sword as a government official is the idea there, um, that, that we are to obey those uh, and obey the laws of the land. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. It's funny how people take the one thing Jesus said about render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and they interpret that whole thing about taxes and all that as some 
um, various you know, interpretation, but one of the things he was not doing is saying, we don't care about government, whatever. That's not what Jesus was saying um, uh, in that dissertation because there's great care given to what the, what the church should do as it relates to government. Obey and pray for those uh, in government. And also, I think there are some smaller number who are called to be in government and to try to make a difference in government. And I think that's part of what we get to do. It's not what the church is called to do, but it's what government is. And sometimes people in the church can be part of that group. So you've got family, you've got government, and then there's one more big one. Anybody want to take that one? Right, Randy? That's right. Uh, he said religious. I'm just going to call it the church, the church. Um, and, uh, and that is the, the next institution um, that he has ordained. Ephesians chapter 2, you can read it if you want, but it talks about where the church, the institution of the church, kind of what happened there. Um, and it started with two different ethnic groups. One was the, the Jewish people and then everybody else, the Gentiles. And it said there were two groups, the, the Jews and Gentiles, uh, but then God formed um, uh, one new man, he calls it, one new man. And he tore down that wall of separation between Jew and Gentile and formed what is called the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. When Christ died and ascended, the church was instituted. Jesus told us that it would happen. He told them to wait. When the Holy Spirit would come upon them, the church would be filled with the Spirit uh, in, a, in a unique way, in a new way, a different dispensation of time throughout history, where in times past you could talk about the time of the law, where the Jews were under the law. But this is not that age. You and I are not under the law, the Galatians says. But the law was a schoolmaster to drive us to Christ and then the, the institution of the church of Jesus Christ. And, and, um, and what's interesting is the Bible has more to say about the church by far than family and government. That's the interesting thing. It almost seems that God is very into his church. Do you think, do you think God's into the church? You guys sound hesitant. Um, does God love his church? Boy, you know, it's interesting because we've got this mentality today, and I'm worried. Part of my method to the madness here is I want to talk to you guys about the church, uh, the greater church, uh, and then maybe even the local church, and then even Athey Creek and what the Lord's doing. But, but um, here's the thing, man, be real careful. When I was a young man and asked my beautiful bride, Debbie, uh, to marry me, from that point on in my life, I was committed to saying, this is my best friend, this is the one I love, this is the, the one I'm going to confide in, this is the one I'm going to spend time with. Um, and it was a choice because of my love for her that was really unshakable and immovable. And those of you guys that are married, you know that there's something that happens in a man once, once that person says yes and you say I do and you're married, man, there's, there's just no more... Uh, special, precious, important uh, thing in your life. And, and, and have you ever noticed, you guys that got married, that something happens if somebody even sort of looks wrong at your wife or treats your wife with any weirdness, man, it's like your dander gets up. Uh, in fact, there's been times where I've almost thought of killing some people. Uh, murder. Uh, if, if anybody messes with my wife, man, you got a problem. And, um, and it's, it's because of, of the commitment that I have, the commitment that she's made, and a lifelong joining. And what's interesting about that is the Bible compares the, the love that God has for his church to 
a bride. And he's the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And so I'm always a little bit hesitant when um, dudes walk around, yeah, I'm not into organized religion. Um, do you want to say that in front of God? I'm not into your bride. Oh, but, but Brett, I, you know, I see flaws. I see flaws in the church. Well, what if you saw a flaw <clears throat> in my wife, Debbie? Would you come and tell me about it? <laughs> yeah, not twice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the truth. That is the truth. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, and if I did that to you, you would have a right to, you know, be uh, really ticked, you know. I mean, you, you don't mess with a guy's bride, ever. That's just off limits. You don't do it. That's just the dumbest thing a dude could do. In the same way, I wonder if when people criticize and, you know, now don't get me wrong, I understand there's corrections that need to be made in the church, and, and, but there's a big difference between those that are trying to help and assist moving the church in the direction we should go versus just being cynical, critical, or just chalking it off altogether. Yeah, whatever, I'm not into organized religion. I'm not into the church or whatever. And that's one of the worst things I think you could do if you were having to stand before God at any given moment. Um, he loves us as a bride. You know, um, Ephesians 5 says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it and washes it in the water of the word. Man, the Lord, he washes his bride. So flaws and all, it's the Lord's job to forgive us, wash us, cleanse us, and it's not our job to sit around and criticize his church or be, you know, um, cynical about his church. It's an important thing. And so these institutions, now what's interesting to me in these days we're living, <clears throat> I see a diminishing in the mind of the American man, I can't speak for the rest of the world, probably most of the world's the same, but the diminishing of the importance of the role of the Church of Jesus Christ. The pastoral staff, we were just talking the other day how uh, it's interesting to watch because um, the change of attitude um, about the church and the institution of the church and the importance. You know, um, I've noticed that, that like bringing the church into other things like marriages and weddings, that's a thing of the past by, by and large. Um, I used to do hundreds and hundreds of weddings. Uh, in fact, I've done over a thousand weddings. So I'm not looking to do more weddings, just FYI. Um, I've, I've kind of, just between us, I've kind of ch chosen to do weddings of people that I actually know. Uh, I won't do your wedding if I don't know you, because there's too many people in our church, and I'd be doing weddings 24-7. Uh, and that, I was doing that for a while, and I'm kind of done with that. So if I'm friends with you, if I know you, then uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But, 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 but at the same time, I've got this great pastoral staff that does an, an amazing job with weddings, and they're all good at it, and, and, and I think bring Jesus in and the gospel into weddings. Like, weddings can be really a huge blessing. But I've noticed that it's hip right now, if, if you're a young couple, let's, who should do our wedding? Well, the, the pastor's the last one on the list, and, and pretty much, well, I really like Uncle Bill. He's such a funny dude. Let's have Uncle Bill do our wedding. And so Uncle Bill goes to Elvis Presley, Church of Elvis Presley online, gets his little certification of, as a Church of Elvis pastor. You can get a goofy certification by the, uh, Google. Just Google it, and you get certified. And you can marry and bury and do all the other things. You know, you do, you don't, you really want, you're married. You, you're, you're good to go. But the problem with that is, that's just dumb. It's ridiculous. Why wouldn't you say, let's, let's allow the church, which is the institution God recognized, forget, you know, by the way, uh, some people say forget the church, but they also say forget the government. 
on marriages. Man, we're just going to get married around a tree and sing kumbaya in the woods, and we're married before God. <clears throat> nope. Does, does God recognize the governmental form of marriage? Anybody? How do we know that? Anybody? How do we know God's into the documentation of governmental marriage? Anybody? What? Jesus went to a wedding. That's the first place he did a miracle is at a wedding. That's a good one. Cana, John chapter 2. What, what else? Anybody else? It's kind of a negative part of this, but it speaks to the positive. Back here. Right. Exactly. Remember, um, Jesus talked about this, that um, divorce, because of the hardness of men's hearts, um, <clears throat> divorce would be acknowledged by God, not, not because he likes it. In fact, God hates divorce. But because of the hardness of men's heart, Moses permitted them to have a bill of divorcement. That's the documentation. And so Jesus, in, in, in just saying that simple little sentence, he was acknowledging the authority of the actual official form of marriage as far as government institution goes. Does that make sense? So people that just say, well, I can get married under a tree with my Uncle Bill, who I think is hilarious, and it'll be awesome. Um, I don't believe you're really married if you didn't do those two things. Uh, well, I should say this. You're not really married if you didn't get that, that documentation, first of all. Uh, you're, you're living in sin. That's what I believe. Um, and also, I think you're not living in sin in marriage if you didn't have a pastor do it, but I think you're missing out on some of the richness of the institution that God ordained and linking it to the institution God actually um, acknowledges, the church of Jesus Christ. Um, and so people are just kind of doing stuff their own way, and there's all kinds of examples of people practicing religion in their own way, and that's always, always a wrong thing. Remember Micah, that little weird um, dude of the Old Testament that hired sort of a poser priest and had his own little church going on in the, in the Old Testament, and, uh, and he thought it was religious, and he even had a, a, a linen ephod for the priest in his own house. And do you guys remember what happened to him? God allowed him and his house to be totally destroyed. Um, and it's because he was doing religion in his own way. And that's, that's the culture today. Forget the Bible. We're gonna, I like to think of weddings as, who cares what you like to think? Go with what the Bible says. So, so not only in marriages, but even in funerals. I've found that people are like, yeah, you know, <clears throat> people don't even do funerals anymore. Did you guys know that? That's the trend I'm seeing. People, older folks especially, are passing away. They're like, yeah, don't go to the trouble we don't need a trouble of a memorial service or funeral or anything like that. And so um, it's, fu it's funny to me that some people just kind of, yeah, whatever. Now, I I'm not saying that people have to do a memorial service or funeral service, but, but I've noticed that there's a moving away of the church's involvement in that. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of people, well, we'll just have a little thing in our house or potluck, or, but forget bringing in the Lord, for, forget bringing in the church. See, the church is what, what we're supposed to do to bring the Lord into any given situation. And, um, and that's what a pastor is supposed to do. Is how do we bring the Lord into our lives? How, do, how can we help a family uh, consider heaven and biblical truth and discipling and, and growing in our faith? But what we're doing is we're growing away from what the Lord is doing through and in his church. Now, I'm probably preaching to the choir here a little bit because, man, you guys are here on a Saturday morning, uh, an extracurricular meeting, getting in the word with the guys at, at, at you know, not at the church because that's not what this building is. This is just a building. But we're with the church right now getting in the scriptures. So you guys are already doing something a lot of people won't be willing to do. 
But, um, you know, Portland continues to be the top of the list of the most unchurched, non-religious people in our country. Um, you, you live, congratulations, in, a, in, in an ungodly, uh, do you guys get a sense that our, our, our greater Portland area is ungodly? Um, even though, even the secular world is like, man, that Portland, whew. Uh, like, like, that's not even Christians that are marveling at how wacko uh, our, our city is. Um, and how godless it is. I just saw a thing yesterday again about how godless Portland is, and we break records on all kinds of wonderful things like, you know, um, prostitution and, and, um, and sex trafficking and, and strip clubs, and we break a bunch of records uh, as, a, as a city, um, and then along with just sort of a worldview that, is, that leaves God out altogether, and we're more into Mother Earth or worshiping the earth or worshiping the third eye of understanding or whatever we're into, we live in this city that's just kind of gone haywire. And, uh, and what's interesting is if you go to the churches in downtown Portland, Multnomah County, it's hard. You're, you're hard-pressed to find a legitimate church. And what I call legitimate is anything that's even closely resembling to what the Bible talks about church. Um, there's a lot of so-called churches that are more politically uh, oriented. They don't care about what the Bible says about male role and, and female roles in church leadership. They just blow that all off together. Um, uh, and they, they form church the way they want to do it, what's right in their own sight. And uh, I believe that some of that is an abomination to the Lord. Um, most of the churches in Multnomah County embrace gay marriage and, and say it's all good, even though the Bible says it's an abomination before the Lord. So you've got all these problems uh, in, our, in our culture with the idea of the institution of the church. Now, part of that comes, and I'm not going to go into church history. Some, one of these ironworks, I'd love to spend some time just talking about church history because it's fascinating to talk about, study, look at. But one of the reasons I think we might have somewhat of an excuse to be sort of anti-church is because of church history. A lot of wacko things have happened in church history. There's been a lot of evil things, whether you're a Catholic or Protestant or Wesleyan or, you know, Baptist or Assembly of God. We can, every, every group in history, we've got troubles because there's sinners involved. But the great thing is we do have a standard to go by, and you can measure if a church is legit or not, just simply by looking at the measurement of the Word of God. The book of Acts is where the church started. And man, you can see what, what was required of the church. And then you read Paul and his epistles to all the churches. And then you got Jesus tight, tightening the ropes at the end of the book. Uh, you know, there in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, he gives messages to the seven churches of Asia Minor, saying, man, you guys got to fix some stuff. And like there's so much. You and I as men have more than we need in the scriptures to define what the church should look like, what should we should be talking about, what we should be doing. Um, the goal at Athey Creek has always been, how can we be more biblical as it relates to the church of Jesus Christ? And that, that's what we're trying to do. And I'm not saying we're there or we've arrived, but I am saying that's our goal. That's what we want to do. And there's a lot of good churches around. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's weird when churches start saying, we're the only true church or the holy anointed church. That's wacko. Uh, in fact, that's a mark of a cult when they start saying, yeah, we're the only true church. Watch out for that. Run for your life if you hear them start talking like that. So you say, okay, but what's, what's your point? Well, that's, that's just it. You know, when I see the church and then sort of the diminishing of what the Lord is doing, I, I think that one of the things that we miss is um, we get sort of our own opinions about things. And 
Some of them can be true, some of them can be false. But like, what are church things that people talk about? The music. I don't know if I like the music. Well, did you know that music is one of the most non-essential topics in all the Bible? Uh, we get all tangled up about the worship and the music, and I don't know if I like the way it sounds. Um, and that, that's something that people major on. Like, we've majored on the minors when it comes to worship. How much in the New Testament does it talk about singing songs? It's like there's two, maybe, uh, maybe three. Uh, remember when Jesus sang an hymn, one song, uh, at the upper room there when he broke the bread and did the Lord's Supper. So one song there. Um, you know, Paul and Ephesians talked about singing songs and hymns, spiritual songs to one another, speaking to one another, songs and hymns. Um, so that's two. And then you got some singing going on in the book of Revelation in heaven. So we're going to be singing in heaven. But it's funny, you know, of, of all the doctrines of the New Testament, the whole worship thing, but man, there's some churches that the whole thing is all about the music. You don't even know what the pastor's talking about. Who, who knows? You know, Bethel Church, I, I know some of you guys probably love Bethel and stuff. And the reason why, they do amazing music. Their, their bands are amazing. Their musicians are incredible. Um, the worship seems really awesome. Their doctrine is crazy. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm gonna tell you. And if you're, if you're wondering, if you think I'm crazy on that, I've, I've spent a lot of time studying Bethel's doctrine and they diminish Jesus Christ. That's what they do. Um, it's more about the miracles. It's more about the glitter falling from the ceiling. It's more about, um, you know, feathers in your Bible from angels. Like, it, it's all about, you know, um, uh, other things. Jesus is, tends to be diminished, and there's, there's absolute new age ki kind of thought going on with Bethel doctrine. And yet, a lot of you guys, your wives or your children say, yeah, but their music's so cool. So you just stand by and say, well, whatever. <laughs> Wimps. Men need to stand, stand up and say, doctrine is important. Music is way low on the category of importance. Doctrine is hugely important. Yeah, their doctrine's just a little messed up, oh, whatever. Um, and I, so I, I go out and say that stuff publicly. And by the way, the, the thing that makes people the most mad today of all the things, I could talk about homosexuality, I could talk about pedophilia, I could talk about alcohol. The one that gets everybody worked up is when I say Bethel's doctrine is off. And everybody's, oh! People come up and yell at me for that one. Uh, that's kind of interesting to me. Hmm. So all this is to, to say, uh, what's the deal then? What, 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 what's your point? Well, one of the things people get into is the size of church. Mega church versus a small community church, which one's correct? And the answer is clearly yes. Both. Man, I could love the smaller churches, and, and I love that idea. Like, part of me just longs for the time where I could have just had a little white church in a country setting, like uh, what was the name of the dude, Reverend Alden in Little House on the Prairie, and you know, do my little circuit on a horse, you know, and, and uh, you know, have 50 people that I knew and were friends and had barbecues all the time and just hang, like I see huge value in the small local church, I, I do. Um, and, um, and then what about the mega church? Well, there's a lot of people that are really uh, like anti-mega church. And, and, I, and I understand some of the reasons why, but some of it has less to do with the actual number or size of a church and more to do with their doctrine or what they're trying to accomplish by doing a mega church. Um, if you know me, if you know Athey Creek, if you've been here for very long, you know that our, we never, a mega church, by the way, de by definition in America is 2,000 members or more. So we are not a megachurch because we don't have members. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so there. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, but here's the thing. I mean, people would say, no, Athey Creek's a mega church. And people get all, uh, you know, and some people think whatever. Some people think it's great that there's a lot of people. Other people say, no, mega churches are not good. But the problem with that is, what does the Bible say? And one of the things that um, I've had to kind of come around myself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sharing right now something that I've had to learn, and even in recent times, um, if you want to be a good theologian, you have to be a good counter. It's like what we did with the music part of worship. How many times does the New Testament talk about singing songs? It's a very small number. So is that, I think that tells us sort of the level of importance of certain things. But how many times does the New Testament talk about the multitudes? Does that ring a bell? Are, are there multitudes in the New Testament? Um, can we do a little quick journey? Let's start with the text I had you turn to, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. It says this in Matthew 9, verse 37. This will be our main text for the morning, Matthew 9, 37. This is where it all started with Jesus sending out his apostles and all that. In Matthew 9, 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, I'm going to focus on the laborers part at the end here, but the, the harvest, man, the fields are white with harvest. They're ready to roll. There's huge fruit to be had, but the laborers are few. There's a ton of people that the Lord wants to harvest for his kingdom. Um, and so what does that look like? Well, let's do the stroll. Would you flip over to Matthew chapter 14? In Matthew 14, verse 14, 14, 14. It says, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said to them, they need not depart, give them to eat. And then of course the feeding of the 5,000, five loaves, two fishes. The multitudes, the disciples, get these multitudes out of here. Jesus said, nope. He had compassion on the multitude. Apparently, Jesus is into mega, mega groups of people. Um, let's go forward with that. Look at Matthew 28. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28, as we kind of journey through the, the New Testament on multitudes and stuff. And I'm not only giving you a scratch on the surface. There's tons more of this. I'm just giving you the, the high points. Jesus, last thing he told us, Matthew 28, 19. Chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach, um, um, or you see in your margin, make disciples. That's what teaching is, by the way. People debate, what is it to be, do discipleship? Jesus tells us here, the, the idea is go in doctrine, teaching, the Bible. That's how you make disciples. So go therefore, make disciples, teach all nations, <clears throat> baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. The Great Commission is, is th this is what we're supposed to be about. You and I, the disciples then, the Christian church, go. Teach, teaching, 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 doctrine. Um, that's, that's where it's at. Man, churches have gotten away from teaching. It's more about motivational speaking uh, or topical fun stuff. 
But teaching is something where you're covering heavy doctrine, even the unfun stuff, like when you have to say stuff like Bethel's doctrine's wacko. That's not fun. I don't enjoy that. Um, and I even have good friends that are involved with the Bethel movement, but it's heartbreaking to me. But it's not fun, but that's what teaching is. Um, you got to say, here's what true doctrine really looks like, and that's what we do Wednesday night, Sunday morning, going through the Bible, teaching Scripture, discipling, and, and, then, and then baptizing. We've got a baptism coming up. Uh, is it next week? Or it's coming up soon. Another time. And, and every time we baptize, we're doing 50 people. You know, it's like it's these large groups of people taking the plunge in the frigid waters of the Lamet. It's such a fun part of what we get to do. Teaching, baptizing. These are the things the church is supposed to be doing. And uh, so that's the Great Commission. Go to Mark's gospel now that we're here. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And he, Jesus, began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea uh, on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and he said unto them in his doctrine, and then he went and started teaching, of course, the parable of the sower, which has to do with the teaching of the word, spreading of the seed of the word, and bringing forth good fruit. Should we be about teaching the Word? Isn't it amazing that, that it's, it's like we've tried to make the church hip, hip and cool and sort of relevant to the world, but because of that, we get away from the very things that we're called very specifically to do, and, and Jesus modeled here for us, teaching the Word, talking about the Word, making it the central theme, not worship Hillsong or, or Bethel or, or Athey Creek music or any of that. It's not what it's all about. It's, it's about... It's about Doctrine, teaching, discipleship, and baptizing people. Jesus was all about that. F flip a little further forward. Uh, we, could, we could hang out in the Gospels a lot longer talking about the multitudes. But go to Acts chapter, well, let's go to Acts chapter 1. In sort of the same spirit there of, of the Great Commission of Matthew 28, um, Jesus said these words in, in uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is what Jesus predicted. The Holy Ghost would come upon his church and it would start to make a difference in Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria and the uttermost. There's concentric circles going there. Jerusalem, Judea, all of Samaria and then all over the whole world. The uttermost parts, even Portlandia. That's amazing that Jesus made this prediction that the Holy Spirit would move. Well, what kind of people will he move through? Does it have to be fancy people, Billy Graham and stuff like that? Well, he did use those kinds of people. But look, to, go to chapter 4, Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, look at verse 4. How be it, it says, many of them which heard the word believed... And the number of the men was about 5,000. Um, in, in Pentecost, you know, after chapter 2, there was 3,000 added to the church in one day. Here, it says the church now is about 5,000. That's how big the church was. Just with, with It's amazing because um, Peter had just been filled with the Holy Spirit and preached a sermon. Now there's 5,000 people in the congregation, which is funny because Athey Creek typically is right around 5,000 people on any given weekend going through uh, the doors here. 
Um, that's, that's, that's biblical. I'm not into megachurches. You're not into what the Lord has, has done in the, in the New Testament? And you're not into what the Lord's doing in one of the least church metropolitan areas in all the nation where people are coming to a church to hear doctrine? Why would people be opposed to that? Um, that's kind of interesting to me. Um, and then, so what kind of people uh, are being used? Brad, are you suggesting that God is using you? Yes, that's what I've had to come to a realization in the last couple of weeks. Um, I have to admit, I've always thought, I'm such a doof. Like, why would God use me? And then the Lord showed me right here. It says, verse 13 of chapter 4, Acts 4, 13, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. And they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing about it. See, we've got that going on here at Eighth Creek. If, if there's one thing we're qualified in, is this right here, unlearned, ignorant. The Lord says, man, I choose to use the weak and the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's so true at Athey Creek, it's not even funny. And, and you know what's great? They looked at this guy that was healed and they marveled and said, man, we what could we say? They were trying to find stuff to say against this church. But they couldn't say anything because the guy that was standing there was once totally not healed and now he's healed and they all knew it. What are you gonna say? And see, you, a lot of you guys are that guy. Some of you guys, before you were saved, you were scoundrels. Some of you guys were doing stuff that you shouldn't have been doing. And we've got, you know, people that are criminals and addicts and, you know, convicted felons and all kinds of, we got guys in this room. But guess what? The Lord changed us and saved us. You guys are standing miracles. A lot of you guys standing here are just guys that, man, look what God has done in your life. You're the, you're the sign for Eighth Creek. Where's Eighth Creek sign? You don't have a sign. You guys are the sign. Um, that's the thing. That's what I love about what the Lord's doing. That's how he did it. They didn't have a neon sign in the early church, but they had people standing there that were once lost, but now found. And look, the people said, what can we say against that? Oh, but don't, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be people trashing the church, saying, oh, well, I can't believe those guys at Athey Creek. They think they're this or that, or that church or the other. Got to be careful. So these guys were, the guys were trying to criticize, they couldn't say anything because of what was actually happening. They could say nothing against it. Um, go with me to Acts chapter 6, since we're close by there. Acts chapter 6, um, there in verse 7. Acts 6, verse 7, it says, And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Um, man, I love how the church um, multiplied. You know, it, it's interesting, by the way, there's some math of the, of the uh, early church. And it says that in the first part there, it says, And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And then, remember Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, they all came in, claimed they gave up all their goods, and they died, and they hauled them out of the church. The church was subtracted. Uh, addition, subtraction, and then multiplication. The church was multiplied, you know, um, and, um, and the disciples were many. Now, go backwards just to Acts chapter 2. Um, and I'll, I'll stop flipping you around the Bible here in a second, but I want you just to see, this is just, I'm just giving you some of the high points. Um, if you go through the Bible with us when we get to the book of Acts in a few weeks, um, uh, you'll see that this is the theme, the Lord drawing multitudes of people 
So check it out, verse 41, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in worship leading. Oops, doesn't say that, does it? They continued steadfastly with their missionary program. Nope. They continued steadfastly in their recovery groups. Nope. What they continued steadfastly in number one is apostles' doctrine. That's teaching the word. And fellowship, that's, that's circling around, joining together in camaraderie around Christ. Uh, that's our commonality of our fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word there. It's a neat word that describes um, living life together around Christ is kind of the idea. That's what they did. So they continued with teaching the word, doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, which is probably eating meals, but it's also probably around those meals having the Lord's table, the, the communion supper, and in prayer. So those are the four things, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And fear came upon every soul. There was a healthy fear of the Lord there. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Um, you know, I wish I could tell you all the miracles that I get to see from my perspective up here. Man, we have people healed of sicknesses. We have people saved that you would have never imagined being saved. We have um, people who are thinking that they were going to go down financially and the Lord just miraculous. Like, we have miracles happening um, and nobody talks about it. I, I think we need to go back to that old school day of sharing testimonies of what God is doing because there's, there's a lot of miracles happening in this congregation as we speak. Um, I had a brother the other day who came up for prayer and they, they, you know, um, they said that he had you know, cancer, that he's gonna have to have surgery. And it was one of those things where you know, after prayer, anointing with oil, he went back and they, they, the, the doctor said, well, the tumor's decreasing and we have no idea why, let's just watch it. And they've watched it just minimize and just go away. Like that's, that's, that's miraculous stuff that God does. Um, we're seeing those things happen here. And verse 44, all that believed together had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men, every man had his need. Should we be communal, like a, a commune? Well, that was because the early church was in real trouble. They were in poverty and they were also in, under persecution and they had to pull their resources together and, just to survive. I don't know that we have to make it uh, necessarily this, unless the church becomes persecuted again like this, then we'll have a model to go by. Uh, how to come together and support each other that way. But verse 46, and this is where I, I crack up at the people say, no, God is into the small church. He's not into the big church. I remember the home church movement became really hip. Uh, it, it comes and goes over the years, but I think back in the early 2000s, it was hip again, home church movement. And we don't really have a pastor. We just meet in a church. We just like to, you know, gather in homes and we don't have a pastor. That's dumb because somebody surfaces as a pastor. They just will. That's just the natural way things flow. And then also you need a pastor. If you're going to be a legitimate church, the church is made up. The institution God made has pastors, elders, deacons, uh, deaconesses, like a real church has leadership. Uh, without that, you're not a real church, by the way. Just FYI, that's Bible. That's what he uses in his church. Um, so there was that movement, and that kind of comes and goes. But there's the people, well, we're into, it's, God is only into the home church. Not so. He's into both. It says in verse 46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple. That was the thousands of people that we just read about in verse 41. They, they gathered in the huge group in the temple. And what did they do? Apostles' doctrine, teaching. 
and from house to house. It says they, they, they went and broke bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness, as we do too. Did you guys, were there bacon donuts out there? I'm like me, mixing a little bacon with a donut. That, that makes it all beautiful. So they ate their meat with gladness, as we do, and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So what was going on in the early church, man? Church was being added to daily. People were getting saved. The teaching of the scriptures and doctrine was at the front of what was going on. And they met in small groups and had lunches together and hung out and ate meals. And, and uh, man, there was just such a cool thing that was going on in the early church. Now the pointy hats and the robes and the fancy cathedrals and all that, you don't see that in the Bible anywhere. That's just men's traditions that we've sort of, ooh, we gotta puff up the church. Let's puff it up, man, let's make it look amazing. And so for millennia now, we've been puffing up the church, trying to make it something really important. It is important. It is rich and beautiful. You don't have to have fancy buildings and stained glass and pointy hats and robes and, and you know, pontiff and all this other stuff that we've come up with. <clears throat> we don't need that stuff. What we need is to get back to what the Bible says about the church. So you say, Brett, why are you on such a rant about the church? Are you trying to defend something? Nope. I'm not trying to defend anything. I'm just, I'm wanting to show you guys something that that I had to come to a realization in this last year. And I've shared this a little bit from the front here on Sundays and, and Wednesdays a little bit. But with you guys, just the brothers, I wanted to share something with you guys. And that is this. I've come to this realization that God is doing a really amazing work here at Athey Creek. It's not me. It's not, not us being amazed or amazing or knowing what in the world we're doing. Um, I, I'm not just trying to be falsely humble there. I, I'm just telling you, God is, for whatever reason, in one of the most godless cities in America, we've got people piling out the, the doors. We don't even know what to do with all the people coming to Athey Creek. Um, so since we, we didn't know what to do, we, we, we prayed and said, Lord, show us what to do. And our, our elders and deacons, our leadership team, we've been praying for years. Lord, what, is, what do you want us to do with all these people? And um, and so you guys know what the Lord led us. Instead of building a big second part of a building and making this bigger, um, trying to cram more people and do more services and all that stuff, the Lord has really put it on our hearts to do um, something that's kind of out of the box. And, and you say, well, Brad, I don't see multi-site in the Bible. You can make some arguments about multi-site. Uh, I, I thought about sharing this with you, but when they sent Barnabas and the whole Antioch and supported by Jerusalem, You've got a multi-site thing going on there. It's really kind of funny. You can check it out in the book of Acts. Um, and if you, if you want to think about it, Barnabas was the first campus pastor of multi-site. It's really funny. Uh, read the story. You'll, you'll crack up when you see it. Um, but, um, but I don't even want to get into all that. Um, what, what we've really come to this understanding is, man, while God is moving, why wouldn't we jump on that wave and ride it as long as we possibly can? As somewhat of a student of church history, I've noticed that God, his spirit moves like the wind. And you never really know from when, where it's coming from or where it's gonna go. But what I've noticed, if, you, if you're a student of church history, and I know some of you guys nodding your heads because you know what I'm talking about. The Lord raises up a, a, a man or a group of people and the Lord says, I'm gonna use those goofballs and I'm gonna do some great things through them. 
And, uh, and then those guys will go as long as they can go. And then when they die or whatever, sometimes the wave keeps going for a little while, but a lot of times it, it dies out. And, and then what happens? The Lord starts something else in a whole nother way. And the Lord never lacks for uh, his move, God's move. Man, you could study the Azusa Street Revival. You could study the Jesus Movement with Chuck Smith and the Calvary Chapel. You know, that was a, that was a big wave. There's still a couple thousand Calvary Chapels around the, the earth now churches that meet that um, because of what the Lord did back in the 60s and 70s and, and into the 80s uh, with Calvary Chapel. Um, but that wave tends to go away, especially when Chuck, you know, went to heaven a few years back. Um, you know, the, the Calvary Chapel movement's kind of shifted and done some different things. But, but I, my, my, my claim has always been this. Um, let's just go where the Holy Spirit's moving. I don't want to be where the Holy Spirit's not moving. I want to, I want to go where the wind is blowing with the, the Holy Spirit. Um, and, um, but, but, but the parameters around that, what the Holy Spirit's doing, is not emotion or hype or lights and smoke. It's, it's about what this early church kind of looked like. Doctrine, teaching, uh, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Um, see, that's the problem. We, a lot of people want to get on the Holy Spirit bandwagon with the the miracles and the signs and wonders, and that's where people start to go. But without solid doctrine, the church gets out of whack. So here's what I'm saying. The Lord seems to be doing kind of this amazing work through a bunch of goofballs like us here at Athey Creek. That's amazing to me. And, and so in recognizing that, we prayed about it, and the Lord said, okay, what we're gonna do is gonna just continue to do what we do at Athey Creek. Some people say, well, Brett, why do you need to be on a video screen in another building somewhere else? The answer is, I don't like that. I get really uneasy about that. <clears throat> and, and, I'm, and it's been years I've, I've thought I'm never going to do that because I've always thought, you know, it's, I just, it's not about me. But what I've been learning about in these multi-site things is it's still not about me. It's, it's, it's really about the people that the Lord is calling and the doctrine that we're teaching you know, we've tried to plant churches, and I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, um, we've planted five or six churches over the years with pastors. And you know what? We're just not very good at that. Have you ever thought, you know, it's good to do what you're good at? Um, you know, we planted a church sort of, you know, um, with, uh, with a guy who was a former elder here. and We saw that down in Salem. And he was doing great until he went to cemetery, I mean seminary. And he started teaching crazy doctrine. Uh, and the church kind of blew up and they split up. We had another guy start a church in Sandy and it was growing and it was doing really good. And in one year, he just decided to leave. Uh, and it was, it was a great work that God was doing. He left and um, they left a $20,000 debt that Athey Creek had to pick up. And it was just kind of a bummer. We had another guy, one of the best teachers I know, started a church uh, with Athey Creek's help uh, by Mall 205 years ago. And he was doing great. Um, but you know what? The problem was, this, this is what happened to that poor guy. A bunch of Athey Creekers, we even announced it, said, come on, go up to Malta. This, this is years ago. And so a bunch of Athey Creeks went up there, and they hung out there for about six months, and then they all kind of came back here. The poor guy was up there, and it was kind of the incredible shrinking church. And I felt horrible for the guy, because he he's a gifted dude. Um, so that's kind of our history, honestly. We've tried to do the church plant thing. Either we're just not good at it, or maybe that's not what the Lord's doing with Athey Creek. So as it turns out, <clears throat> I, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. I'm not changing at all. I'm just teaching the Bible. And, and what the Lord has kind of put on our hearts is anybody who's willing to come and sit under just some through-the-Bible teaching, simple as it is, 
anybody who's coming to hear the gospel and be saved or be baptized, why wouldn't we do that till the cows come home? Like do that till we run out of energy. Like do that until God moves his spirit somewhere else. And, and let's, let's get busy about something that God is just doing. And, and here's what's interesting too, and I know I'm gonna step on some toes here, but in this diminishing of the value of what God's church is, I see some of the best resources, when I, and I'm talking about men, particularly in the church, um, that are given to so many other things other than the church. Man, they're into the Kiwanis, or they're into, <clears throat> you know, their city council, or they're into even good things. And I, I know this is going to make people mad. Good things that are parachurch organizations, Young Life, FCA. Hey, I've been an FCA coach. I love FCA. I, I've been a part of that. I, I'm pro-FCA. But I see a lot of our best talent go into all these parachurch things and outside of the church when, when here's Athey Creek busting out at the seams where we need super high caliber, hardworking people to do the work of what God is calling us to do, to, to help field the, the massive amount of people that we have piling in here. Um, and, and that's what's, what's actually kind of, I marvel that, man, why am I at, at a deficit right now for young men that are leaders? I just am. Maybe that's my fault. I've tried to disciple young guys, pull them up, but, but I kind of feel like the Lord's going to have to stir up some young men who can take on any, any role of <clears throat> new elders or deacons or pastor staff or campus pastors. You know, we, we need more and more leaders to step up and uh, that have a lot of energy to, to help take care of, tend, shepherd, this congregation. Jesus t- chose 12 disciples, but after Jesus ascended, those disciples went and they made more disciples, and then more and more of those guys would be raised up to do the work of the ministry. But because of the disparaging of the church, and people saying, yeah, whatever on the church, Brett, you do your job. As long as you're preaching, that's great. Uh, people are going to come, and then we're going to do whatever we feel called to do. I'm, I'm going to go perform my, uh, my niece's wedding because she likes me. <laughs> Or, or, or is it that maybe, maybe the Lord wants to raise up a, a huge team at Athey Creek just to see how much more the Lord will do, reaching into the communities around this area. Maybe not even just this area. Um, I'm so thrilled. There's, there's so many things going on that's kind of funny, out, way outside of the, our, our uh, boundary. Down in Medford right now, there's a group of men, uh, high guys, they're watching online. They have a secret way to watch our ironworks. I don't put this on um, the internet live typically because I want to talk about stuff just with the brothers, you know, and make it uh, just the guys. But we let the group down in Medford. There's a small group down in Medford that gathers uh, and they, they're, they're totally plugged in to our ironwork study here. And um, man, there's just a bunch of great dudes. Could it be the Lord might be starting um, to spread Athey Creek even further than just the Portland area? We've got a group down in Florida. They, there's a family that has a nice house and a bunch of people all gather and watch the online services. Um, and I'm, I'm always saying, man, you guys should be plugging into a church. Like, like that's, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. There's a, yeah, we're assembling, but do you have a pastor? And then they'll say, well, Brett, you're our pastor. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, your, I'm a teacher. If you're just watching me online, I'm not your pastor. Um, we need to have more pastors. So if some of you are called to Florida, maybe we should start a multi-site down there. But <laughs> that's going to take pastors, men that are leaders, uh, to do that. Um, I wonder, 
I wonder if the Lord is saying, you guys, I'll, I'll take it as far as you guys are willing to go to see people discipled, taught in the word, baptized and saved. As far as the, as, as the, the men at Athey Creek are willing to go. And I know it takes women too, for sure. I'm not diminishing that. We have a, an amazing group of women that I would technically call deaconesses because that's a word in Act, uh, Romans chapter 16 that's actually there. But women who just faithfully serve in the church. We've got a ton of those, those gals. But my biggest lack is men who are willing to step up on any level, um, uh, every level. We need more of those guys. See, here's the thing. I, I, I'm not, I, I got to say this, and th- this is where, where I really am excited. To sh- I want to show you guys something. Because um, what the Lord has done in the last couple of years is kind of amazing on just the business end of the church. It's like the more we've just been able to trust the Lord on these things, the more the Lord's just shown us how he's providing, you know, um, so amazingly. And, and things that I thought, well, we'll see if this works. And I, in my heart, I was like, I'm kind of doubtful. Who knows if this will even happen. But, you know, the, what, what has happened in this year of starting a multi-site church down at Salem and starting a, a campus there in Sherwood? How many of you guys have actually been to one of our multi-sites? Raise your hands. Look at that. That's probably, I'm going to say a fifth or a fourth, maybe a fifth of you guys. Um, I want to show you guys a video right now of just kind of what the Lord's doing there. Because you guys, most of you guys don't even know what's going on. But it's, it's amazing. It's kind of a miracle to see what God is doing. So uh, why don't you dim the lights, and, um, and I'm going to talk through the first part of it, this, and then I'm just going to let it roll. But I, I asked Micah to just put together some video footage of what's happening in our multi-sites, uh, just so you can kind of see the technical, kind of the behind the scenes. This first clip, go ahead and take those. You can take my lights down too. These right here, take them down. Hello? <laughs> These lights, yeah, take me out right here, yeah. We need to see that clearly. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Our technical people are all in Nashville. I'll tell you about that in a second. But this is the setup at Sherwood right here. And, um, and these guys get there at 6 a.m. Every, every Sunday morning. And there's 125 volunteers that make this happen. And look at this. See that big LED screen in the back that's got the AC Creek? That's a huge TV right there, giant. They build that TV every single Sunday morning. And then our worship teams, have we figured out these lights yet? Our worship teams, <laughs> uh, our worship team, they rotate all the campuses. We've got a full-on children's ministry with, with tons of teachers and they bring all these toys, they roll them in on these huge crates off of our two trucks. Uh, the, the children's ministry, the worship, it's Athey Creek over in Sherwood right here. That's Pastor James, our campus pastor. And he's just opening and sharing. And during the week, he's meeting with all these people that are now Sherwoodian Athey Creekers. Um, and, uh, and it's just like a total blessing um, that uh, people that are just coming to know the Lord, we're reaching into Sherwood. I mean, Sherwood, this, this little town of Sherwood, there's so many people who do not go to church. There are a lot of nice people. They play lacrosse and soccer and football, and they're all hanging out together. But tons of people in Sherwood are unchurched. This is the Corbin campus right here. Micah did some drone footage for us here uh, at Corbin University. And, and a bunch of the Athey Creekers, there's Pastor Jason. He's our campus pastor there. And, um, and there's just a bunch of guys and gals making this happen. And, and uh, this is at the university down there in Salem. 
And this is beforehand, the group, they're, you know, they're getting ready for the service. And it's basically, it feels like Athey Creek because it's the same worship team. It's the same, uh, you know, Joey was at Sherwood one week and then he'll be down at uh, Salem and then he'll be up here at West Lynn. Uh, Brooke leads worship there as well as, as all of our worship team. But um, it's just kind of a miracle to see how the Lord is reaching into Salem. Salem is an unchurched place. I mean, there's, there's actually some good churches that have blown up in Salem for various reasons, um, and it's really sad. But at the same time, we had this sort of Salem ministry uh, on this campus. It's a university. There's the president, Dr. Nord, who's an Athey Creeker. He goes here um, of Corbin University, and there's a big picture of me sitting there. That's horrible. That's the worst part of this whole thing right there. Um, Jabba the Hutt sitting on the stage. <laughs> um, <laughs> is this recorded? Um, uh, okay, you can, you can bring up the lights now. <laughs> and you can raise the, the blinds too. Um, but, but all that to say, um, you know, the, the reason I wanted to show you that is, is it's, it's amazing what's happening. Like, it's really cool that now there's this um, uh, reaching out um, of, of just through the Bible teaching and discipleship and training. You know, Jason just did down in Salem, he just a few weeks ago did his first baptism there, down there in Salem, and some folks got baptized. It was just awesome. We're, we're doing, by the grace of God, not anything that we're fancy or smart or anything about, we're doing what the New Testament church is supposed to do. And, and can I argue, and it's, I know it sounds self-serving, please know my heart on this, we are doing something that is what's on God's heart and mind. This is what the Bible says we're supposed to be doing. And here we are in a hostile territory, watching the Lord bless our socks off, just with ministry, people getting saved, lives being changed. And my question is, why wouldn't we just see how far the Lord would take it? The only way for us to see what the Lord would do is to have more and more and more of you guys just chip in. And there's a million ways to chip in. I'm not, I'm not begging for help. I'm, I'm actually wanting to see guys get on board and enjoy what we're seeing happening because it's a huge blessing. Um, I kind of liken it to, um, you know, there's a, there's a big ship here that we're, we're rowing. We're all rowing together. Remember Ben-Hur? Did anybody see the movie Ben-Hur? Ramming speed. <laughs> And, and remember all the oars and all the, they were all slaves, but we're, we're the servants of the Lord. And, and they were all rowing together. And man, uh, they could make that ship move if they all got together. But I've noticed that there's different people that attend Athey Creek, and especially men. Some of you, some of you guys are, and we got a huge group, 700 volunteers right now at Athey Creek to make Westland and the various uh, campuses work. We have 700 men that I would say are people that are, that are oars in the water and they're cranking it out and they're doing all the work. That's awesome. I love that. We've got people begging us to start a multi-site in Vancouver. We've got people begging us to start a multi-site in Oregon City. It doesn't seem that far away, but actually it's kind of a mental thing. Plus, the people that know multi-sites, they say basically 18 to 20 minutes away from the main campuses, that's kind of where you want to start going out. And, um, and Oregon City we, needs a good church where people can just come in and get some teaching and shepherding and local community life together, fellowship. Um, we, but for that to happen, we need 700 more volunteers to say, we're going to make this happen. We're going to do what the early church did and make the logistics of this kind of happen and see how many more people will be saved, baptized, changed, 
Like that's, that's the, the thing that's actually happening. So there's the, the people that are oars in the water. Some people, some Athe Creekers, they're here and they're just kind of oars up in the air like this. Everybody else is ramming speed. Are you one of those guys? What are we doing? Was there a multi, what, was there a multi, what's multi-site again? Brett, are you, what, what's going on? No, that's you with your oar. And you're kind of in the way. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. There's some people, very few, and one thing I've noticed about this is the, the front door on this is huge, the back door is tiny. But there's been a few people like, yeah, Athey Creek, Athey Creek, whatever. You guys are just wanting to be a mega church. No, we already are, uh, whether we like it or not. It was never our intention, really. And some people, they've got their oar in the water, and they're just, they're just holding it, and they're just kind of making it difficult. Some of, I hope that's not you. Um, um, it's always interesting, because whenever the Lord does something like this, there's always people that want to be cynical and critical and have things to say. And, and I would just say, I like what we're doing more than what you're not doing. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just being honest. So there's some people kind of drag and go, yeah, I don't know about all this. And there actually is a few that have actually been in the water going like this. <laughs> They're rowing backwards. Well, you're an idiot, Brett. Well, that's true. There's nothing new there. Um, but they're rowing against us. And, and, and those people, I just say, man, go find a church where you can be on board with what's going on. And uh, man, you don't have to stay at Athey Greek. We're not the only church. There's a lot of great churches, probably a ton of churches better than, than our church. That's for sure. So go find that church and be plugged in there. But don't, don't be rowing against, you know, what the Lord is doing. And that's a very small problem. That, in fact, I barely even register that one on the, on the Richter scale. But, but I, what I'm wondering I wonder what the Lord might do if a bunch of people at Athey Creek get their hearts stirred to do what those 125 volunteers are doing in Sherwood to, to every Sunday at 6 a.m. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Guys getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday, their day off, and going down and working from, a lot of those guys work from 5 a.m. till like 1, 2 in the afternoon, and that's their day off. But that's their service to the Lord. And and you know what's really fun is, is um, some of the camaraderie that we once had when we were at Athey Creek Middle School and we were hauling speakers and all that, that stuff that we missed out on, um, that's all coming back. Like there's a real joy being a part of that team, watching something like that be built and, and, and be a part of what the Lord is doing. There's something about that, that there's a weightiness to it. And your life is actually, you're doing something that is somehow eternal and, and makes a difference for what God is interested in. And I wonder sometimes if, if um, you know, we've emphasized our kids' sports programs far too much. I'm all into sports. I love sports. But so, some of you guys won't do that because, well, Junior's going to play soccer. And they have soccer on Sunday mornings. And so, you know, into sports and all that stuff. I feel like people have made a sorry exchange. When once there was this interest in the church of Jesus Christ, I am so glad that my father, when I was a little kid, didn't emphasize sports on Sunday morning. My father, the non-negotiable was church is Sunday morning. And Brett, you're gonna be there. Not only are you gonna be there, Brett, you're gonna be there helping. And I remember as a little child, I was there hauling chairs, straightening stuff up and moving, you know, vacuuming, you know, stuff off the ground. And my dad just got me busy and I, and I actually loved it. So I was so engaged by the time I was 10 years old, man, I was already in, I was all in. I was, I was doing tons of stuff. And then our, we had a kind of a new church startup when I was 10. And, uh, 
it just took a couple years. I thought, man, I want to teach the Bible like my pastor. And so at 12 years old, man, I, it was just what we did. I was, uh, I, there got to be this place where we were doing three services on a Sunday morning. First service, I taught down in the Sunday school class, uh, first graders. Second, this is when I was like 12 years old. Um, then I, second service, I was the sound man for the church, second service. Uh, so I ran the sound in the sound booth. Um, third service, I would come in and sit in again and take notes of the service. And that was just what I did. It was three services, and I loved it. And that's what got me into ministry. Um, I remember when I was faced with a question uh, right out of high school because um, I, I had the option of playing some college-level football or, um, or do what I was doing, and, th- and that was to go, to go to school but also to work full-time at the church. I was already, by the time I was 17, I was the full-time youth pastor uh, at a, a large church. And... Um, and at that point, I decided, should I go play football or should I continue working on staff at a church? And I'm so glad. I, I love football. But I'm so glad I chose ministry because ministry is eternal. Football, well, you'll be eternally crippled. All my football buddies, they're all limping around with broken up knees and hurting and stuff. And they're talking about the glory days. Um, but those of us that went into the ministry and the church, the Lord is not as into the institution of football or soccer, as he is into the institution of the church, which feeds the institution of the family. Uh, man, it's so good. I'm so glad I had a family that was church-centered, that we saw, my parents saw, the, the importance of being engaged, plugged in, rowing hard with the church. And we saw there, from, from that church that started in my living room when I was 10 years old, it went from, you know, 10 people sitting in the living room to 7,000 people, um, and, then, and then like 50 churches that sprung out of that one. This is one of those. Like, to be a part of stuff like that, football, whatever. I'm so glad I didn't play football in college. Instead, I decided to go and be in ministry. It's better. God cares about it. Don't get me wrong, it's not that the Lord is anti-football or anti-sports, and if that's what you're called to do, great, but I feel like a lot of people, because of the attitude about the church, they've just bailed on the whole idea. Well, Brett, that's your job. You're the pastor, do the church thing. Well, I couldn't do anything of this stuff that we're doing if it wasn't for the 700 volunteers that make it all happen here at Athey Creek. And I wonder if the Lord's just going to do something even more massive than we even have any idea. It seems that that's what's going on. And uh, I'm just wondering if some of you guys should be praying about that. What should my role be? And we could, man, I I could list a million things, you know, things that that are, um, you know, Things that you can do, you could be out there in the parking lot helping direct traffic. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Um, you could be you could be getting um, you know visitors welcomed and more comfortable and being a part of that. Um, you could be helping set up communion and and, uh, and and getting the elements together for Sunday mornings and and also Sunday nights. Um, you could become a Sunday school teacher, or youth leader, or mentor. We've we've got all kinds of opportunities for mentoring, leading, teaching kids. You could you could um, you could help clean the facilities and maintain this fil- this facility is constantly needing to be cleaned, fixed. We had all of our uh, plumbing stuff shut down all day yesterday and the day before because we had we had to fix some plumbing stuff. Um, but man, like there's huge needs in that kind of stuff. We need tons of help in technology, sound booth, um, video, uh, streaming, uh, internet, online church, website, like the technology stuff. By the way, you say, well, I don't see that in the New Testament. 
Um, you know what's interesting about the, the New Testament is the message was always the same, but the methods changed. Um, and you'll see that in the New Testament. And that's what I love is, is um, how is the Lord moving today to get the message? The message doesn't change, but the methods can. And Paul used the technology of his day, writing letters and the Romans road that was around interconnecting all the cities. And they used that technology to further the kingdom. That's what we're doing. Um, you can help with administrative or secretarial work. You could lead outreach programs, uh, you know, in our community. Um, you could lead or participate in mission trips. We do all those trips to, to Haiti and to um, places where um, you know, hurricanes. We do teams. We've got two teams staging right now, get, getting ready to go do some of that stuff. You could organize and help uh, um, in, in prayer. Man, we need tons of prayer. Uh, maybe if your back can't haul speakers and chairs, we need you to put the church uh, on, your, on, your, uh, on, on your back spiritually in, in prayer. Um, you, could, you could become an elder or, or a, um, a deacon. You do that. That's something I think that'll be a topic we'll maybe cover uh, in a future Ironworks of how does that work out. Um, you could help with pastoral care and shepherding and, and uh, looking for those. You can visit people in the hospital for us. Uh, like there's so many things. I could go on and on, but, um, but we, we could use the help. But right now with these multi-sites, getting there at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning, being part of a, a setup crew, that'd be a huge help right now. And if we're going to do something in Vancouver or Oregon City or somewhere else, Hillsboro, I mean, there's all kinds of places that are asking for us to do it. Um, we need like a whole launch team, and, and that needs to be happening right now. Uh, you don't do that in like two months, set up a church. That's something we need to start training. The Sherwood crew, we've been training for six months to make that all happen smooth like, like it's happening there. Um, we need to start getting more of those teams. In fact, it'd be cool to even have sort of a campus launch team that goes out. They know how to set up the LED screen. They know how to set up the sound system and children's ministry and get the trucks all loaded like, like Tetris. Uh, like if you could see what goes into all this stuff, it's amazing. But it takes a, a good team of people. And maybe you could be a part of that launch team and, and go and start new uh, multi-sites and be that group that does that. Um, there's all kinds of things you can be a part of. But that's something to pray about. Um, with all that said, pray about what the Lord would have you to do. If you're not already plugged in or a part of that, um, there is one more thing, and that is you're the sign. If you live in Sherwood or if you live in Westland or anywhere around Salem, man, tell people, hey, if you want to get back to the church, and uh, maybe you bailed out on the church, tell your buddies at work, tell your neighbors, and I understand why you may not have be going to church and a lot of people are disillusioned but hey at my church we just go through the bible we keep it simple they won't ask you to sign anything or become a member but but they want you to join uh and participate in just the joy of going through scripture and discipling and come and check it out and invite your friends either to a multi-site or here because that's kind of what we're doing it's not that we're just trying to make room here at west lynn we're actually trying to reach people for the gospel and for discipleship. It's all about shepherding and growing his church. That's what we're doing. And for that to happen, you guys should also spread the word of what, what God's doing here and see if, see if the Lord might bring your neighbors to church as well. There it is. That's, that's what the Lord put on my heart about that. And um, if you're interested, you know, to, to get, get in on that, there's a couple ways you can do it. Um, if you're technically savvy, it's pretty easy to go on our website, athecreek.com, and there's a, there's a section up there. You click on it. It says... Um, uh, I forget what it is, but basically 
you know, to get involved. And there's a, there's a little thing you can fill out and send it and say, man, I'd like to help out. Here's my number. Here's my, and we will take you from that day forward and make you a servant of the Lord. Uh, no, uh, we'll work on getting you plugged in. If you're uncomfortable with that, um, Kaipo will be in the back by the back info table back there, and he'd love to get your number and name and let us know what you kind of think you can do to help or just just offer your services. Man, I, I think it'd be great to see just how far the Lord will take it and see if you want to jump in and start rowing with us and, uh, and uh, see what God does. Let's pray. And Lord, we're so thankful for um, the fact that you use weak and foolish people Lord, um, we're so thankful that you use um, sinners, even though we fall short and we make huge mistakes, Lord, we're still blessed to be a part of what you're doing. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, raise up more and more uh, men to be leading your church. Father, I pray that we wouldn't diminish the institution of the church um, because, Lord, we know you have ordained this. And contrary to what so many people are doing, Lord, diminishing the role of the church in their lives, I pray, Lord, that we would get back to what your word teaches. Um, help us to do away with preconceived ideas of man's tradition. And I pray that we'd go back to what the Bible says about making disciples, teaching doctrine, um, raising up people to, to, to serve you and walk with you. So, Lord, we just want to do what you do. As long as you're willing to move here by your spirit, we want to be a part of it. So be honored, be glorified, and be blessed in this part of your church this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.